0: Hello and welcome to season six of the Podcast Base podcast. This season we will focus on making money with your podcast. There are so many ways to monetize a podcast without a large audience or thousands of downloads. I'll tell you how I monetize mine and we'll also have guests on the show who share about their podcasting journey. So let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome to a new episode. I am very excited to be here today with Dr. Sherry Walling, and she is the host of the Zen Founder podcast. She also wrote a book and does all these different things. So, Sherry, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us more about what you do? Sure.
1: So, my professional life, I'm a clinical psychologist, but I've been writing, podcasting, and kind of Spreading big conversations around mental health among entrepreneurs. That's sort of the place in the world that I occupy space and like to host conversations on that topic. I also, a parent, I have two almost teenage sons, 15 and 11, and I'm a circus artist in my
0: spare time. So cool. A, a little bit of a snippet about who I am. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So How does the podcast fit into all of these different things that you do and being a mother, being a circus artist, super cool, and being a clinical psychologist? Like, when did you decide, I want a podcast?
1: Well, I had a very traditional job. I was a university professor. And it's a job that I worked really, really hard for. I really loved teaching. I loved interacting with students. But the job wasn't a very good fit for me in reality. I was kind of overwhelmed by all of the meetings and just the sort of obligations of being in that role that I I just didn't love. So it was a really hard process to decide to resign, but eventually I did. So I'm like the world's youngest retired professor. But after I left that position, I realized that I still wanted to be a teacher. Like I wanted to use my voice to spread ideas and thoughts and kind of share what I was thinking about. And this was like 2013. So podcasts were just beginning to be a thing. And I started a podcast right after I left that was actually about motherhood. So It was called Parenting Reimagined, or it was about parenting. And it was really to fill that void. I wanted to talk to interesting people and explore ideas and put those ideas out in the world. And so podcasting was a great place to do that.
0: Yeah, cool. I think it's so cool that you like took this other part of your life. So it was not about anything that you did in your professional life, but more about what was going on in your own life back then, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's sort of my story with podcasting, to be honest, like the
0: podcast
1: that I've been part of. So I did Parenting Reimagined maybe for a year or so, and then I felt sort of done with that. And then I started Zen Founder a couple of years later in 2015, and that was a podcast really focused on mental health among entrepreneurs. But every phase of podcast life for me has gone along with or been kind of in augmentation to what was happening in my private and professional life. So you can see the shifts. You know, for many years, I did the podcast every week, just like very regularly. And then there were phases where I moved to just twice a month because I was busy or things were happening in my life that I needed an adjustment. And so the podcast sort of paralleled that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I saw that on Zen Founder, you have over 300 episodes. You have over 1 million downloads, which is insane. Like we were just talking about this before we had record. I think it's, it's just such a milestone that so many podcasters work towards. Like, oh my God, that 1 million milestone. How did you or like you kind of said something about this already that you switched up the consistency of the podcast a little bit. But how did you manage to release more than 300 episodes over so many years? Like, how did you just keep going? That's a good question. I ask myself that all the
1: time. Yeah. (laughs) So on on one hand, I'm married to a a man named Rob Walling, who is also a podcaster. So he has a, a podcast called Startups for the Rest of Us. That I think has just crossed over six hundred episodes, and he's been also doing it for a very long time. So I've got this lovely accountability partner built into my home, who is really good at consistent execution. Like he just does an episode every week, and so I think he was honestly like a really good role model and teacher for me as I was getting started to just have the rhythm of delivering something every week and. So there's different philosophies of this. Some people craft these beautiful seasons. I worked on another podcast called Mind Curious that I did for a health startup company. And for that show, we did these beautiful seasons, right? It was sort of packaged, had these story arcs, but we only did a few of them. Really high quality, really highly edited, really beautiful. For Zen Founder, it's a little bit more of the like execution every week. And so some of them are not awesome. Like some of them are cringeworthy, especially the early ones. I go back and listen. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I put this out in the world. <laughs> but the consistent delivery and just doing it every week meant that it got better over time, first of all, which is helpful. And two, it just means that there's a body of work, like lots of episodes, lots of
0: practice. Mm-hmm. So do you would you say that... The secret to releasing so many episodes is to just keep doing it. And probably weekly would be best because if you would work in seasons, maybe it would get you out of that routine of creating this content. I think it really depends on what you're trying to do with your
1: podcast, to be honest, Mm -hmm. right? So if you are setting yourself up or your desire is that your voice is a really consistent part of the conversation and you just want to be out there all the time, then an every week strategy makes sense. If you want to craft something that's more artistic, like more storytelling based, then I think a seasons model does make sense. But again, you're going over sort of like the quantity versus quality. It's not exactly a dichotomy, but you're thinking about which of those sort of knobs you want to turn up or down when you're thinking about sort of your strategy. And for me, the discipline of doing it every week was just helpful, you know? It just was built into the rhythm of my work life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also seasons are awesome. If you want to, I think, nurture the people that are already in your audience because they are like, oh, cool. Like there's an episode and I can listen to this person that I already follow or I can discover this long form content. But if you really want to build an audience from scratch, I usually recommend my clients to release really, really consistently, either weekly or bi-weekly, but at least two episodes a month for a longer time, because that is when this change is going to happen eventually, where more and more people will find your podcast and where you will also get that snowball effect of people can also go back to older episodes. And of course, it also works when you work in seasons, like it's not necessarily good and bad or black and white. Right. It's like you can do what you want, of course, but I hear that's also A little bit like what you're saying, that different strategies work with different goals.
1: Yep. Yep. And I think who you are as a person, right? Some people really like to batch interviews. Like they'll spend two days just doing a deep dive and having all of these conversations, scheduling out all of their episodes for either a season or just like a period of time. You know, and I don't do that. Like I just every week just carved out on my Monday to do something for the podcast. And of course, sometimes I plan ahead and have different guests and slot those in. But the weekly nature of it works better for my sort of schedule in life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that also definitely makes sense. You just have that time. Like I also, I like to batch sometimes like for the podcast waves, we have seasons for my other podcast, Digital Nomad Stories. I release episode every week, but I still work in advance. And then sometimes I don't have to do anything for a while. And then I kind of. I don't yes. want to say for gas, but a, a I just little don't bit. Really it's record. just in mind, right? Like I know that at some point I need to start recording again, and then usually this moment comes where it hits me like I need to record right now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely understand that it can be really nice to just have that day of the week or like time block, time block carved out in your calendar. This is my podcast time, and I just yeah. record every week at this time. That definitely makes sense. So Sherry, how was that first time of releasing weekly content for you in terms of what you saw with like audience growth? Did you have an audience before you started started a podcast or did you start from, well, almost zero? I
1: gave a talk at a conference about mental health among entrepreneurs. And that talk happened in 2015, a long time ago. And it really captured people's imagination because nobody, I mean, I'm sure people had been talking about it, but there wasn't much open conversation around the kind of mental health challenges that entrepreneurs were experiencing. And so the podcast kind of sprang from the talk. So I had, ai guess, a little band of interested folks. So I had been doing things in public. I had been speaking. I had been writing. So people kind of knew who I was. And then my husband with startups for the rest of us had already had a really well-established following. So I think he joined me for the podcast at the very beginning. So we kind of like grabbed some of his audience too. But in terms of establishing my voice as a podcaster in this area of expertise, yeah, I had to maybe not start from scratch, but like from a slow running start, a jog. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So how was it for you? Because I know that so many podcasters, they sort a podcast and they're super, super excited. Like, oh, this is this new thing. This is going to be big. This is going to be awesome. But then after the initial few weeks, maybe to a few months, it's not as new anymore. And I know that a lot of people, including myself, might get discouraged. Maybe they're not seeing the growth that they want to see in their audience. Maybe there is no sponsors banging on the door yet. Yeah. You know, like we all have these. Big expectations usually. How was that for you? Like, how did you, did you even feel that? Or, and then how did you overcome that? On one hand, I think I picked a topic that people really wanted to talk
1: about. So I was able to access some wonderful guests. I was very excited by the conversations I was having. I liked talking to my guests, I liked diving into the topics, which helped a lot, right? I wasn't bored. I was learning. I was interested. I was making great connections. And so I think that was the thing that my own intellectual curiosity kind of kept me going through those early phases. And then, of course, you get enough traction and you become part of the conversation in a way that is more satisfying. So it was internally satisfying first, and then it was externally satisfying when my audience was responding and interacting with me.
0: Yeah, I love this. I think that is maybe key to that initial stage. When you enjoy the process so much of just creating the content, it almost doesn't matter that there's not that many people listening yet because you just kind of do it for yourself and that it's also at least easier to keep going.
1: And I think it's helpful to have low expectations and to treat it as an experiment you know, now the podcast is a cornerstone of my brand and my work. But it didn't start that way. It started as like a thing I was doing, which doesn't mean I didn't take it seriously, but it doesn't mean that I didn't put so much weight on it that it caused me stress. I did it for fun. I didn't have any big expectations about what would happen to it, and it turned out that,
0: you know, a lot of people liked it. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. Did your husband also tell you a little bit about what to expect because he had been podcasting already or could you see how it was for him that you kind of knew what might happen and that it might be like relatively slow I don't know if you even had a slow start but I think sometimes it feels like we have a slow start right (laughs) yeah I mean thankfully I just
1: knew a lot of podcasters and again this is this is 2015 before podcasting was as popular as it is now So, I think that was helpful because I had, you know, I just had access to people who were doing the same kind of thing. But again, like my mother wasn't listening to podcasts. Like podcasts just weren't as much in the conversation. They were just beginning to be a thing that people listened to and kept track of. You know, I'm a little bit old school, I guess, but that made it easier in the sense that there weren't so many podcasts and so many people, and I didn't have high expectations. I was just curious.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think now it's also easy to look at our podcasters and see what they accomplished. Oh, yeah. And then we look at Zen Founder and we can, we see, oh, Zen Founder has more than 1 million downloads and more than 300 episodes. Like, yeah, this is what's possible. And that is the cornerstone of your brand now. So I think when we know it is possible, we kind of also want it, right? Yeah. <laughs> And there's that, a that there's maybe. a point
1: of comparison, right? Then you, you have a standard that you're comparing your work to. But that wasn't the case for me. There were, just weren't a lot of podcasts. So I was like, okay, I wouldn't, I didn't have the pressure yeah. of comparison at that point. And, but I still feel that, right? I look at like Brene Brown's podcast and I'm like, oh, everybody listens
0: to that. Yeah, true. But there's always someone with more downloads there's always someone with a bigger brand bigger podcast bigger audience does that matter to you are you still really focused on growing the podcast or is it not as important to you let me there are several ways to
1: answer this so on one hand i i definitely want to use the time and energy well The podcast needs to be effective at being sort of a top of funnel outreach for my company. I am also, I've just written a second book. So the podcast kind of helps to promote the book, you know, loosely by just helping to promote my visibility. But the other thing that's interesting is that everyone who works with me in my consulting company, almost everyone has met me at an event or has read my book, I don't think a lot of people actually come my way and pay me money from the podcast. The podcast may be how they hear about the book or how they invite me for a speaking gig. And so I like break this down because over time, I've really come to understand the podcast's role in my business. The podcast doesn't generate money for me. It just doesn't but it creates a general sense of brand awareness and a body of work. So someone who's thinking about hiring me can go to my website and see 300 episodes and who I've talked to and the topics I've addressed and they can see, okay, you've been thinking about this for a long time. You've been working on this for a long time. So it is a credential and it is a way that helps me increase my learning because I still use my curiosity in the podcast. But it doesn't drive revenue for me. And that's okay. I understand where it lives in my scope of the things that I do in my professional life.
0: Mm -hmm. So what would you say to podcasters who are starting a podcast as a lead generator? Would you say it's not the right platform for it? Or do you think it can work for other podcasts, other businesses? And it really depends on that. I think about it as your public
1: body of work, right? It's sort mm-hmm. of your portfolio. So if you want to establish your name as an expert in content writing or, you know, whatever it is, having a series of episodes that clearly articulate your perspective about that, I think is really valuable. I also use the content from the podcast to write my first book. Essentially, the first book is really well cleaned up transcriptions of a bunch of podcast episodes. So the extent to which you can repurpose content in other places in your outreach, I think is also, you know, a really lovely way to use the time and energy.
0: Yeah, I think that is really good to hear. Like, I also started my podcast like, okay, this is what I'm going to use to attract clients into my business. And what I realized, this is the sixth season that we're doing now, is that it's not really like top, top of the funnel. For me, at least. It is more so that people who are interested can find out more. Mm-hmm. Like, people usually don't find my podcast, but they find me somewhere else. And then they listen to the podcast and they're yes. like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. And then they take the next step, which was also surprising for me because I also thought like, oh, everyone's going to find my podcast and then they're going to go down the rest of the funnel. But that's just... Not really what happened for me, and I think for a lot of my clients, it's actually the same. It's a really cool way to tell people more about what you do. Mm-hmm. I've had
1: the same experience. It's a, it should be called like the "Tell Me More" button, and then you've got three hundred episodes. It's like, <laughs> You want to know what I think about depression? You want to know what I think about politics? You want to know what I think about, like uh, it's all there. Yeah. And if you really want to yes. do the deep dive, you can. But 100%. often people will say, "I heard you speak at an event. I was thinking about working with you." Then I found your podcast and I listened to some episodes and and here I am at that introductory call to talk about, you know, a contract of working together. So it's part of someone's due
0: diligence about you. The podcast is. Exactly. Absolutely. I do want to mention that one of my newest clients actually found our website via Google. And the only way that that has been possible is because we have really well-written show notes on the website. Uh, which is great for SEO. So I just wanted to add that to this part of the conversation that it is possible as some kind of like top of funnel way for people to find you because SEO is also really powerful. Yeah, just wanted to add that here. I think it's also good to know that you can definitely use it for it, but it's kind of different from yeah. what we both expected, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sherry, can I ask you one last question? Sure. What would you say is the key? or main learning that you had over the past 300 plus episodes of creating your podcast? I don't know that it's very profound, but the thing that came up for me when you asked
1: me that is just my mental story around just try. I think that a lot, that phrase, like, just try. There Mm -hmm. are definitely times when I'm like, shoot, I have to record a podcast. Like, I got to get it to my editor. Like, and I don't know what to say. And I feel like I don't have anything interesting or, you know what I mean? Like just you get in your own head about whether you have value to bring. And I think that the mental game for me has been to come back to that very simple phrase of just try, just plug in the mic, just just send that email to that really difficult to get guest and just try. So yeah. I think the podcast has been a really good teacher for me in my own professional growth. And it's not even that I'm taking big risks, but it's practice in silencing the negative voices in my head that might otherwise say, you don't have anything interesting to say. That guest is never going to respond to you. Nobody's ever going to listen to this. Like, you know, we all have those negative stories, but the discipline of doing the podcast is the discipline of practicing trying over and over and over and showing up to the work,
0: even if you don't always feel like it great answer i think that's what we what we all have to hear sometimes just try and i also hear that like just try it also means that it doesn't have to be perfect Mm -hmm. right you just you just try like you just do your best and that's all you can do right
1: yeah i think that's been the the value of just shipping it and of being committed to publishing something even if it's not perfect is also really helpful it's helpful practice
0: Thank you so much for sharing this. It was so good to hear about how you reached this awesome milestone of 1 million downloads, uh, more than 300 episodes to learn more about your podcast journey. I learned a lot from you, and I know that our audience today will have the same experience. So, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us where people can find the podcast and where they can learn more about you and your work? Yeah. My podcast is called Zen Founder, Z-E-N Founder, and it's at
1: zenfounder.com. And I also have a new book coming out, which is called Touching Two Worlds, and people can find that at touchingtwoworlds.com. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Sherry Walling.
0: Cool. We'll also add all the links to the show notes so you can go there, check out the book, check out the podcast, follow Sherry. And yeah, thank you so much for being here today, Sherry. Thanks, Ann. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guest if you found her tips useful. It's always good to hear that. And don't forget, I'm releasing another episode on Wednesday. These Wednesday apps are really short and quick with a tip that you can implement right away. So I'll see you there. Hey, podcast babe, before you go, I want to tell you real quick about a free tool that we developed, a quiz. So if you have heard me talking about podcast monetization and all the different options that you have and you're like, okay, cool, but what's the right one for me? That is exactly what you can find out in this quiz. So if you go to thepodcastbabes.com forward slash quiz, you can answer nine questions. It will only take you five minutes. And one of the podcast monetization strategies will roll out of this quiz as the perfect strategy for you. Of course, I will also give you some tips on how to get started, some podcast episodes to listen to specified to the outcome of your quiz. So go to the podcast babes forward slash quiz, take the quiz and start monetizing.